Progressive liberals must be accompanied by an adult. The show starts now. University of Baltimore law professor Michelle Gilman and her students help people fight for benefits that have been wrongly denied them. And increasingly, she finds out that algorithms bought from a secretive company are at fault. I've been in hearings where no one in the room can describe for me how does the algorithm work? What factors does it weigh? How does it weigh those factors? And so you're really left unable to make a case for your client in those circumstances. You're in this sort of Kafka-esque loop in which there is nobody making a decision and no one who is in theory in charge of making decisions has any idea how the decision was made. Right. But yet at the same time, uh, many of the decision makers, the judges, give undue deference to the automated system because they think it's a computer. It's mathematical. It must be right. Gilman says that once upon a time when people could come into an office like this one to get things sorted, there were problems, sure. The potential for harm is just much greater when these flaws are embedded in algorithmic systems. Life and death decisions are being made by automated decision-making systems. All the AI had was the language of radio signals bouncing around a room, and this is what they're able to reconstruct. Real-time 3D pose estimation. Right. So suddenly AI has turned every Wi-Fi router into a camera that can work in the dark, specially tuned for tracking living beings. Hmm, interesting. A little bit on AI. We're going to go there today. We're going to go a lot of places today. We have a great guest. How are you, Uncle Milty? I'm good. I just can't wait until I don't have to think at all. <laughs> you can just sit in your armchair yeah. and just be entertained by yep. everything, not have to think, not be told uh, your life or death decisions are coming from an AI program <laughs> or the wireless routers spying on you. Mm-hmm. A lot of problems coming with AI, a lot of uh, situations we've been talking about on the air with money, with banking, with uh, you name it. And it's it's all coming down the pike in pieces and we're going to be talking about this with a great guest in this hour mel madison how are you mel are you there mel (laughs) mel are you there mel okay i know he's got to be i know he's got to be in there somewhere all right um well, I'm sure he'll be coming on in a second when he figures out the time. <laughs> I know he's sitting there. Yeah, because uh, we just talked to him. So Mel Madison has held key posts in both established asset managers such as Russell Investments and um, startup firms like United Capital that now operates as Goldman Sachs. And of course, Mel is focused exclusively on private equity and uh, and then also has written a new book, and this book is going to be a very uh, interesting read. Quaz uh, comes out this month, and this will be uh, this will be fascinating. It's quantum AI, corrupt central bankers, and the blockchain collide in a stock market supernova. The annihilation of global economic order is just the beginning. That's the preface of the book. Mel, are you with us? Mel. Okay, for some reason it is not coming through. So, um let me uh let me get him back. Let me get him back. So, um let's first uh well, you know what? 
Let's just give him a call <laughs> live on Skype and yeah. see if he answers. And uh, um, he was on. He was on. So, uh, Mel, are you something. with us now? Yes, okay. I'm with you now. Perfect. Okay. Uh, we were wondering. And so, all right. So we were just talking about Quaz. This is the new book coming out. And it's really about um, taking quantum AI, corrupt central bankers, and the blockchain collide in a stock market supernova with a lot of truth thrown in. And uh, even some great quotes from uh, Thomas uh, Jefferson, who wrote over 200 years ago, banking establishments are more dangerous than standing armies. Welcome to the show, Mel Madison. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Tell us about Quaz. Tell us about this book and why the name Q-U-O-Z. Sure. So the name really has two parts to it. Uh One is within the novel. Uh, there is a quantum AI merged supercomputer that's essentially controlling the world's uh, financial markets uh, through a shadowy bank in Switzerland, which I think we might get into later. Mm-hmm. But it, it, it's a quantum computer, and quantum computers, for those that aren't familiar with it, they need to be super cooled so that you know electrons mm-hmm. or quantum elements can be held in superposition and stuff. And there's an eerie green glow to the the premises of the of the supercomputer and it's like a quantum oz or emerald city so that's one part of it but another part of it is it's also a little bit of a homage to frank baum and the original wizard of oz which Mm. a lot of people are not familiar with but it was a, a they're familiar with wizard of oz but they're not familiar with the fact that he was really writing a monetary allegory. And the Yellow Brick Road was emblematic of the gold standard. In the book, Dorothy didn't wear ruby slippers. She wore silver shoes. And the Emerald City was really a fraudulent um, wizard that was representing kind of fiat currencies in the greenback. So there, there's just a lot of monetary elements that were in the original Oz. And I thought it would be cool if I could tie in not only the quantum Oz component that's in the novel, but also pay a little tribute to the original uh, Wonderful Wizard of Oz by Frank Baum. I like that. In fact, it's about to get a diversity re-up. Nobody wants to see, and it will totally bomb. But I, 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 I have a feeling that the diversity re-up won't include anything that you just said. <laughs> so the truth about Oz. <laughs> I think Oz. they'll miss that. Yeah, yeah, the truth about Oz. And so what, what are your roots in understanding the central banking, the problems that came along with the Federal Reserve and, and, and all of that, that that happened? You've been, in, you've been a fintech executive and, and a writer and, and a founder of a company um, deep into the, the finance, uh, finance department, shall we say. And so what kind of gave you your roots in understanding the nefarious part of central banking? Sure. So I've worked in financial services one way or another for over 20 years. I've been involved in a lot of regulated entities serving as the CEO for three different uh, broker dealers registered under FINRA and the SEC, um, international companies in Amsterdam, Tel Aviv, um, homegrown ones in the U.S. and Boston, San Francisco. And, and so I've gotten to see a lot of finance and kind of how the money moves, how the plumbing works. There's just so many ways that the financial system drips cash 
essentially from the masses and funnels it to the elites. And they do it in extremely complicated ways. But uh, one thing became clear to me very early on working in this business as I as I studied and learned more and researched on my own somewhat economics um, is that the central banking uh, facade of money control and manipulating the economy and promising the end to boom and bust by controlling interest rates, that this was really just an extension of solving an age-old problem that goes back all the way to William III in 1694 in England. When he was broke, he had defaulted on debt, he had no creditors, he had overtaxed his people, and he needed money. And he created a central bank that would take money from the people, give gold to him so he could fight wars, and he granted the central bank the monopoly on printing paper money. And so it was a way to get gold to fund the government and give the people paper money. And that's the real essence and and reason that central banks were founded, and not a lot has changed in over 330 years. Well, amen to that. Yeah. So looking into the future with our non-existent crystal ball, But there are some things that you can kind of see happening because pieces are happening now. What are you noticing right now that's really changing for us that's going to impact our lives in the next couple of years? I I think CBDCs are definitely on the table and coming. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I don't know if you or your audience are familiar with the CBDC riots in Nigeria that happened. Um, we could talk a little about sure, that. Let's do, uh, let's do, let's talk about why and how, um, I think we mentioned it on the show. I know it was on our, on our, in our, in our stuff, but I don't know if we actually talked about it or not. Go ahead. So one of the cornerstones of my book, it, it focuses on an international organization called the bank for international settlements. And that is the central bank for central banks. And not a lot of people know about it. They have meetings every two months. The central bank leaders from around the world meet in secret in Basel, Switzerland for two days. They don't release minutes. They don't say what they discuss. This is Christine Lagarde of the ECB. Jerome Powell flies over there, uh, head of Bank of England. Everybody goes, including the head of the the Bank of Nigeria. Um, Nigeria is the largest economy in Africa. It's over 200 million people. It's rich in oil and natural resources. And... My contention, I I can't prove it because they don't tell you what they talk about at the BIS, the Bank for International Settlements, but my contention was that they wanted to use Nigeria as a test case and do CBDCs there, particularly because of high inflation and the public uh, beginning to use Bitcoin and stable coins and alternative sources of money. Mm -hmm. And that's that's really what set, threatens these central banks is their monopoly on money. If if people started using stable coins and banks couldn't do fractional reserve banking, which we could also talk about later, the whole system collapses. But I'll get back to Nigeria for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, so Nigeria is the test case. Mm-hmm. The government comes out and says, we're going to do CBDCs. Isn't this going to be great? But the problem is, how do we get all the money, the paper money from the people? They tell all the people that they're going to be issuing brand new banknotes that are almost impossible to counterfeit. And all the population needs to turn in their banknotes, their cash money, by a certain date after which their cash money becomes invalid. And then they will give the people new paper notes so they can have these counterfeit proof paper notes. 
Well, the people turn in their money like they're supposed to, but the government doesn't issue new paper notes and says, oh, but we have CBDCs. And and so the government essentially does an end run to get the people forced adoption of these things because they knew the people didn't want it. Just like uh, here in the U.S. and Europe, there's growing opposition to this. So they needed to find a way to spoon feed it to the people. Mm-hmm. And the people in Nigeria rioted. They they yeah. revolted. They took to the streets. Unfortunately, people were killed. But it resulted in new leadership in Nigeria who actually went and arrested and took into custody the head of the Nigerian Central Bank. Um, we could only think what would happen in the U.S. if they introduce the CBDC. I don't right. see the federal government going to arrest Jerome Powell, but mm-hmm. that's what happened in Nigeria. So we're going to go to break, but India in 2016 did something similar, but they didn't spoon feed the CBD. They, they actually just did, did that with cash. Now, Nigeria is a step up from that, right? In what they did. Yes, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. We're going to come right back. Uh, now you've got to stay with us. you got to hear this. Be right back. Kate Daly Show. More with Mel Mad- Madison. And the book is Quaz. Q-U-O-Z. Be right back. Hey, America. How tired are you of mainstream corporate media's biased narratives and manipulated news? Their dishonesty and attempts to influence this generation have been exposed, put on display for anyone who's even half paying attention. But the New American Magazine has been an honest source of news and commentary for over 50 years. This is your opportunity to receive the stalwart of principled journalism at a deep discount. Picture a beautifully published magazine arriving at your doorstep twice a month, packed with insightful stories written with integrity. It's also available digitally on the New American's mobile app. Get up to speed with intelligent coverage from a freedom perspective. Right now, for a limited time, the New American is available to radio listeners at a 25% discount on a new subscription. Visit thenewamerican.com slash radio25 and receive 25% off. Subscribe today at thenewamerican.com slash radio25. Right. Our guest, I have Uncle Milty and our guest, of course, Mel Madison, who wrote the book uh, Quaz, which is Q. Um, Q- <laughs> I just I just literally dropped on the spelling Q-O-U-Z, right? Yes. Okay. Q-U-O-Z. Quaz. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, and I'm so grateful that you're here. Milty had a question for you that was really important. Go ahead, Milty. Yeah, I, I was just curious in your research uh, to write your novel. Did you find that it would probably take a quantum computer, which is still pretty much mm-hmm. theory, to be able to accomplish the control of massive amounts of central bank digital currency? Yes, great question. I I believe that it is part of their plan, part of what they see inevitably coming down the road. 
However, it's not a necessary condition before a rollout of a CBDC. So obviously this is already happening, but at a certain point, there is going to be so much data, so much information that they're going to have. They're going to want that quantum technology. And the other reason that these central banks and a lot of large financial institutions are really looking at quantum technology is it poses a real threat to the world's encryption. So quantum-resistant um, cryptology, quantum-resistant encryption, it's, it's not widely used. It's just in its infancy. But if a quantum computer comes out, um, everything is hackable, everything is at risk, especially a digital currency. Uh, one of the things that's interesting is just hours before uh, I came on air that uh, Central Bank for Central Banks in Switzerland released a nine-page white paper on quantum computing, quantum-resistant technology, and AI and its intersection with central banks. And, and what's so funny about a lot of these you know, globalists in places like Basel in Switzerland is they put things in these white papers that they think make them sound good, like quantum banks are likely to be at the vanguard of advances in AI. Right. And they talk about using it to monitor payment systems and transactions and, and things like that as if these are great things that we should be looking forward to. And so I think they're definitely using the AI and the quantum uh, technology in their plans. That's where they're heading. Mm. Yeah. You need to expand on that a little yeah. more. And for somebody that says, what is a CBDC? Because I'm sure there are people that join mm -hmm. in this program who are totally mm -hmm. unaware of what that means. Yes. So what they're trying to do, which is not really possible, is they're trying to replace the, the bank notes, the paper notes, mm -hmm. with a digital note. Um, what I call it, the term I use for it, is they're marked bills on steroids. So if you ever watch a, a thriller movie or something and the cops want to know where all the money goes, mm -hmm. they mark the bills or they know the serial numbers. Sure. And a, a central bank digital currency would be a digital form of a marked bill. But not only can they track everywhere it goes in every transaction, they can also turn it off. They can put expiration dates. They can monitor your fossil fuel usage. And if you've gone above it, then you don't get it. They can customize interest rates for diversity, equity, and inclusion uh, reasons. They can do what they call, the technical term is programmability. It's money with programmability. And, and this is the control mechanisms that these people love to salivate over in Davos that they just want to get their hands on. But people were waking up to it. And so what's recently, it's, again, this is, it's so funny. I, you can't even write the stuff they <laughs> right. do, but they, they, they release like 12 different projects that go back, you know, a decade on this. They started this planning, you know, literally in like 20, 2008. And they do all these projects and they have all these names like Project Athena, Project Orem, right. where they're test, testing these things out. And then recently they just did their first paper and first release on privacy. Like, like, you know, like, like, like now, 10, 12 years oh. later, they start thinking, hmm, you know, maybe, maybe we need to address hmm. this. And, and they act like it can be private. And, right. and then you read the details of the paper and it's like, well, 
the well, it'll be anonymous. Only the only the commercial banks will have all the information, and you know they'll only share it with the central banks when you know necessary right. for money for money laundering, money right, laundering. Right, right, right. It, it, it's terrorist financing. It's the Patriot Act to get you know into your house and take your gun. It's is we're we're gonna do this. So once the technology, once the genie is out of the bottle, they're gonna promise from here to high heaven that it's gonna be private and anonymous. But we all know what happens. Just like they don't listen to our phone calls, just like right. they're only searching metadata, right? Oh, my gosh. Milty has a question, and then we have to head off to a break so you yes. can answer it on the flip side. <laughs> so the difference between central bank digital currency and a private digital currency like Bitcoin uh -huh. is like night and day, right? You, with Bitcoin... Mm -hmm. They have no control, like you're talking about with central bank. When we currency. come back, that's a loaded. When we come back, Mel Mad Madison will answer that question. Be right back. MelMadison.com is with T's. MelMadison.com. Be right back. Self-reliance. It's not a phrase we hear much in our culture these days. It might conjure up images of pioneers, the West rifles, strapping men, and strong women. But what does it mean for us in today's world? The New American Magazine has just released its latest collector's edition, Self-Reliance, Foundation of Freedom. In it, the New American authors outline the necessity of self-reliance for a free people, tips for self-reliant living, and the importance of not giving up hope. This unique edition includes articles on the self-sufficiency of the founders, preparing for a worst-case scenario, firearms, financial self-reliance, the importance of community, and many other topics by expert writers. Now, for a limited time, The New American is offering a bundle of three collector's editions, Self-Reliance, The Great Reset, and Trump World, for just $19.95. A great stocking stuffer, available at shopjbs.org. Visit shopjbs.org today. This is the Kate Daly Show. Welcome back, Kate Daly Show. So happy to be here with you. And of course, Uncle Milty's with me. It's a Tuesday. And we have a great guest. I don't know if you can tell, but Mel Madison, I'm sure you can, because if you're listening to him, he's making an awful lot of sense. And let me tell you, you might have questions about this too. And we will be taking callers, but we just have some really pertinent information to get to. Please visit my wonderful sponsors. I handpick them. Birch Gold, text 989898 and text my name Kate and get some free information on, um, on gold-backed uh, IRAs and retirement and also buying gold and silver. Also, go to balanceofnature.com, balanceofnature.com, and go get that product because it works and helps the immune system. And I'm really worried about people's immune systems right now. They're not doing well, and we need to bump that up and get it get it going, right? Uh, because then it can cleanse the body of all the things we're, we're dumping into it. So please go to balanceofnature.com, code word is Kate, okay? 35% off free shipping. And these two companies are amazing. Um, and that's why I talk about him on the show. Uncle Milty, will you ask that question again? Because I can't yeah. wait for uh, Matt, uh, Mel Mattinson's uh, answer to this. The book is called Quaz, uh, coming out this month. Go ahead. So it, I think a lot of people don't understand how different central bank digital currency is from the stable coin digital mm -hmm, currency like mm -hmm. Bitcoin and others. And What's your feeling on it? What yeah, how do, you, how do you compare that or maybe explain it? And is it possible, do you think, that 
that the stable coins were developed just to make the public comfortable with digital currency to move and into central bank it's digital It's a great currency. theory and a reaping of the benefit from it. Yes. They're obviously reaping a benefit, so they've instilled that trust. Can't wait to hear your take on his question. Yeah, so there's a lot there. Uh, I could start with this, at mm-hmm. least with Bitcoin, right? I'm sure, you know, your listeners are tuned in and a lot of them are aware that the creator of Bitcoin, no one knows who he is. It's this guy, yeah, Satoshi anonymous. Nakamoto, that, you know, it, it, it's is he one person? Is he many persons? Where does he originate? No one has any clue who put this system into place. And that directly leads just to, you know, is it a PSYOP? Is this a, mm-hmm. a government uh, operation? Who's behind this? We have no idea who's behind this. We have no idea if there are back doors built into it and it's going to all shut down in 2028 as a practical joke. We, we just don't know a lot about it. And I think what uh, really threatens the central banks and the commercial banking monopoly is not so much Bitcoin, a little bit Bitcoin. But what the bigger threat and what seems like it's not, but it is, is what's called stable coins, which are something different, which are digital money like CBDCs, but privately issued. And they are just where a company like the biggest one, Circle, buys U.S. T-bills, so short-term debt of the U.S. government, one to three-month T-bills. Right now, they're yielding about 5%. And for every dollar in circle uh, in the USDC, their their stable coin, they own a dollar of debt. And that scares the heck out of central banks and commercial bankers because the entire global economy is built on us getting our money through banks. When we give money to mm-hmm. banks, they take it, they say they have $100 of our money, but they turn around and they loan 90% of it out. They're creating money. This is fractional reserve banking is the fancy jargon term. But basically, it's uh, money creation, money printing by the private sector. Uh, The central banks do it, too. But the commercial banks do it as well. And if you have something like a stable coin, you take out that money printing monopoly that central banks and commercial banks have. And you basically stable coin. One dollar is one dollar. $100 $100 in the bank isn't $100, it's 190 And then that $90 can go to a bank and become 90% of that and so on and so forth. And that whole card game collapses if you don't use the commercial banking system. Wow. What was your feeling on uh, FedNow coming out? By the way, they had announced it years before and then acted like they had just come up with it this last year. But, <laughs> And I love that game, but uh, FedNow. Yes. FedNow, for those not aware, it's the way for uh, people to use a Federal Reserve system to everybody gets annoyed sometimes with these ACHs, automatic clearinghouses, where it takes three days. You deposit a check to a bank and somehow in this day and age, it takes three days. So on, on the face of it, FedNow sounds like a good idea. What it does is it makes it instantaneous. You can give some. But number one, it's a bad thing for a lot of banks and financial institutions. You know, you have companies like uh, ADP, Automatic Data Processing, that does payroll processing. One of their biggest uh, sources of revenue is something called the float. And that's the money that they get to hold for three or four days when one out of 10 Americans is waiting for their paycheck through ADP. Hmm. So this instantaneous money, is it, the Fed now is out there, but you're not seeing a lot of banks tell you to use it because they don't really want you to. They don't want the automated clearing. 
but they're being forced to by the the competition in the marketplace from things like stable coins. And so the central banks are being backed into a corner here. And this is really where the the end game is starting to form. And and that's why inevitably and I think we've got 10 years or less until this whole thing blows up and there are fundamental reasons for it. I saw your show the other day mm-hmm. with the remote viewer. Yeah. I, I agree with you. There are people that have gifts that can yeah. see things. Right. I'm not using gifts. I'm using I'm using data from the government. And yeah. I, in, 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 I, yeah. I've got, you know, Congressional Budget Office documents in front of me that will tell you Social Security is going to be bankrupt by 2033. Medicare is going to be bankrupt. They, they talk about our debt. Our debt is $34 trillion. They don't talk about the $200 trillion in unfunded liabilities. We have hundreds of trillions of dollars that we need to dole out on behalf of the federal government. Uncle Sam needs to pay in the next decade. And there's no way to do that without creating inflation or blowing up the dollar or some type of financial crisis. And that's why, and I'm not predicting this this year or next year, I actually think stocks will, will do good. As long as the musical chairs, the music keeps playing, it's fine. But one day the music is gonna stop and there's not gonna be enough chairs. And that's when this house of cards really comes down. Melty? How about bankruptcy? <laughs> why don't we just file bankruptcy? That is what a lot of people are talking about. Mm. They're calling it Bretton Woods 2.0, a new global monetary conference. They had a big one after World War II. They put in a gold system. It wasn't a gold standard. It was a gold exchange standard. The dollar was supposed to be worth $35 worth of gold. And everybody else's major currencies, the yen, the franc, uh, the Deutschmark, was supposed to be pegged to the dollar. Um, all these currencies were then, you know, manipulated. That was what the IMF was created for. The International Monetary Fund was created to manipulate currencies so that they stayed in line with what they wanted. But basically what they're going to need to do is they're going to need to reimagine the system. And dollars, I'm afraid, are going to be the loser. And that's why things like real assets like gold and silver, real estate, and believe it or not, in the long run, even stocks – Because when they go to a new dollar, Apple's going to start selling their iPhones for those new dollars. But it's it's people that are savers, people that are pensioners, people that have their money in cash or under a mattress in in paper money. Those are the ones who are really at risk of of losing it all. And people that have their money in gold, silver, uh, real assets, real estate, um, things that produce an income stream. Those are the ones who will be able to make it through. So they did the India, your cash is obsolete by the end of the day. Then they do Nigeria, where the answer is CBDC. And they, 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 they're spoon feeding that as an extra layer of we're going to get our agenda done. And in the United States, do they do a fall off the cliff move or do they do little moves that move us way more into digital? Well, you know, the the thing that that's heading, we're kind of talking about two different things here. Right. One, we're talking about the digital move. Mm-hmm. I think the digital move, when you think about it, it really makes this whole thing a lot easier. And, and it creates ways that they can be subversive about it. So right now, when the federal government wants money, just mm-hmm. really basically and a little bit of an oversimplification, but when the Federal Reserve needs money, they sell debt, right? The right. Treasury under Yellen issues the debt. Right now we have 34 trillion in debt outstanding, but a quarter of that is owned by the Federal Reserve, which means that 
a good chunk of our debt is owned by the Federal Reserve. Okay. When the Federal Reserve gets interest payments, right. they pay that interest back to the government. We're going to come back so, with Mel Madison to explain this yeah. in total. Be right back. Kate Daly Show. Can you believe after all the recent violent protests, looting and destruction, some communities are considering either defunding or abolishing the police? If you agree that now is the time when police protection is needed most, then it's time we stand up and support your local police and the communities they serve. Call 800-JBS-USA-1 and request your free Support Your Local Police info packet. That's 800-JBS-USA-1 and request your free Support Your Local Police info packet today. This is the Kate Daly Show. Welcome back. Kate Daly Show. Go to MyPillow.com, order up, and put in the code Kate. Fantastic products. I'm a betting person, so I can tell you for sure that these are the most amazing quality. Uh, He does a great job, Mike Lindell, at choosing quality products. Uh, Lives with them for a year before he actually um, sells them. And let me just tell you, he does a great job. MyPillow.com. They're all fantastic. All the products. There isn't anything I've been disappointed in. So they're amazing. And you can get up to 90% off. They make great gifts and they're great for you too. Also, ActivateFIQ.com is a wonderful sponsor because I take their copper magnesium and also I take a whole C from them to get my immune system up besides for balance of nature. That's my multivitamin. Go to ActivateFIQ.com and use the code Kate because that copper can cleanse the body. Go ahead, Milton. I didn't get my last order from them. Oh. And I uh-huh. emailed them uh-huh. the day before yesterday and they next dayed me a new order. Wow. That's how good they are. Great service. I love yeah. that. Yeah, they're fantastic to work with. I love them. Activatefiq.com. Be taking copper because they took it out of our food supply in the 30s and 40s. And uh, that's what cleanses the body is copper. Copper tells the other minerals what to do. Mel Madison is our guest. Mel Mattison. I'm going to say it like that so you understand it's not with D's. It's with T's. Uh, M-E-L-M-A-T-T-I-S-O-N.com. The book is Quaz. This is, he's just, uh, he's like this huge funnel of information. And I'm so excited to have him on the show. And he will be on um, into the next hour or two, which I'm really grateful for because you can ask questions. Um, Mel, you were just, we had to go in, in the break, but we were just talking about, the, you were talking about the federal reserve do you want to pick that back up uh sure so the federal reserve um and really uh you know i alluded to it earlier with uh the formation of the first modern central bank in 1694 at the bank of england um to to start creating this fictional money and the owners of the federal reserve the owners of all central banks are commercial banks and this this is part of the original uh commercial banking cartel um, the Rothschilds really pioneered it. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. there there are stories of of uh, Mayor Rothschild when the French were battling England, and he was funding both French and English sides. He had couriers stationed that were able to get the news to him in London of who won the Battle of Waterloo, long before uh, the King in London knew, and. You would think, okay, he wants to know, so he knows what to do. He'll go out and he'll buy, Mm -hmm. you know, British bonds and British paper because that's going to go up because the British won. But that's not how these guys think. He wants to know so he can tell everybody that the French won. Mm -hmm. 
so that they all panic and start selling British bonds and British uh, uh, debt that he can buy for pennies on the dollar and uh, essentially then sell his French debt, which is going up, and not only you know make out like a bandit, you know ruin his partners in between, but essentially capitalize no matter who would have won. And so the the, the bankers are always on both sides. The, the, they're on both sides of things back then. They were mm-hmm. on both sides during World War II. That was when the Bank for International Settlements in Switzerland. I think one of the main reasons Hitler never invaded Switzerland because he needed his international bankers there yeah. to continue to keep the money and the gold flowing. Yeah, when we he invaded a country that. like Czech... Yeah, go ahead. No, we talked about that. Sounds like the Bush family, too. They were hating and abetting both sides as well. But go ahead, Bush, Bush oh, family. They, yeah. they definitely were. Mm-hmm. When the Bank of International Settlements was running in Switzerland, um, they had to move from Basel a little south to Bern, and their offices were right next to uh, John Foster Dulles. You know, mm. he, he this, the CIA has been part of the Bank for International Settlements, and th- th- this is all one big group. I don't know if they have a formal name. I don't know if they're the Bilderbergers or the Illuminati or who they are. All I know is that their interests align and their interests are always the same. How do we get more money, power and control at the cost to the average person on the street? And they manage to do it time and time again. And there's always the same type of institutions and things behind this. I have three you know, quotes in the beginning of my book, Quaz. Mm-hmm. You mentioned one of them. Yeah. Banking establishments are more dangerous than standing armies. Thomas Jefferson, 1816, in a letter to John Taylor. The other two are from Mayor Rothschild, the founder of the banking dynasty. Permit me to issue and control the money of a nation, and I care not who makes its laws. And the third is from J.P. Morgan and his testimony to Congress in 1912. Money is gold, nothing else. And, you know, the the game that these people play It's they're always doing one thing and with one hand and then they're telling the public what they're doing on the other hand. They're talking about CBDCs and central banks are now the biggest buyers of gold. They're not buying U.S. debt anymore. They're doing what they call de-dollarization around the world and they're adding gold. They're adding other things to their balance sheets so that they have real money when this thing blows up. You might want to talk about how BRICS factors into this, too, and the addition of the countries that just joined in January. Yes. So there was a lot of scuttlebutts around this meeting last year of the BRICS. People were thinking they might announce a gold-backed currency. Um, This has to do with the reserve currency status, right? And that's essentially, you know, a fancy way to say people use dollars to pay for things, even if they're not in the U.S. If, you know, France is buying oil from Saudi Arabia, they're paying Saudi Arabian dollars. And the BRICS, they they recognize this. And this was um, accelerated with uh, what happened when Russia went into Ukraine. And they took them off of the Swiss system and they took them out of the international banking cartel. Russia was actually banned um, or suspended from the Bank for International Settlements. So they removed them from this international system with the reserve dollar currency at its heart. And now they're starting to think about forming their own. And that has two things um, going on there. Um, I think a lot of people understand the benefits to the U.S. of the reserve currency status, but a lot of people don't understand that it comes at a huge cost. Mm. You know, when I was young, 
Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to borrow money, the, we have first, about a minute. the first thing you were asked is, what do you have for collateral? Mm-hmm. When did it become possible to just unsecured loans, period? Uh, everything's unsecured now. It became possible when the banks became confident that if they get into too much trouble, the government's going to bail them out. So sound banking practices were no longer necessary. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, I think it's that simple. It, it yeah. used to be banks were owned by partners and the partners had their own money at risk. Now it's CEOs who get stock options and governments that bail out banks when they get in trouble. So big government payoffs with our tax dollars and fictional money. Yeah, and they So what do lose. they have to lose? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's exactly. Why we're here. It, 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 it's very simple. I mean, it, 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 all this stuff is a bunch of uh, simple stuff, mm-hmm. uh, simple thievery, simple thievery wrapped up in complicated jargon, and uh, you know, it's a magician's act. Yeah, wow. yeah. It's like a bill going through three thousand pages of nonsense, right? And then, then the, there's usually the crux or the heart of it is really the reason they've done it, but three thousand pages yeah. of superfluous stuff. Uh, inside um, to read about which nobody reads be right back more with Mel Madison when we come back melmadison.com and of course the book Quaz coming out this month be right back and we'll take your questions for him don't go anywhere Kate Daly show katedalyradio.com hitting over 25 million on SoundCloud thank you very much for that be right back If Americans want to remain a free and sovereign nation, more people need to understand the principles and values that built America. At the John Birch Society, we have the organization, the plan, and the resources to do just that. Our founder, Robert Welch, said, education is our total strategy and truth our only weapon. Go to jbs.org to learn more, including how you can get involved to work locally and impact nationally. Join us at jbs.org. We divide 125 genders by three bathrooms. How much climate change do we have? The Kate Daly Show starts now. Ladies and gentlemen, the very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. We decided long ago that the dangers of excessive and unwarranted concealment of pertinent facts far outweighed the dangers which are cited to justify it. All right, back here with you. Yeah, little JFK for you. Secret societies, secret packs, secret oaths. Yeah, we're talking about banking because that's, <laughs> that's where the core of it is and the hill to die on and the thing most important uh, to those that actually run the world is the banking. So we welcome you back. Um, Uncle Milty and I are here. And of course, our uh, great guest uh, is joining us now as well. And we'll take your calls. Mel Madison is a writer and financial services veteran, leveraging over 20 years experience in the realm of high finance, brings war- real world authenticity to his fictional narratives. The newest book is Quaz, Q-U-O-Z. 
And of course, uh, that's coming out this month. You're going to want to nab that one. Um, and he holds he holds an MBA from Duke and studied creative writing at Loyola. And of course, uh, we will obviously take some calls, but I do want to get to some of the questions. And I know Uncle Milty had um, had a question for you, too. And we were just leaving last hour and it was getting really riveting. So. Um, you know, taking breaks. I, I hate to take breaks, actually, because this uh, is so important. Uncle I really Milty. don't have a question. You don't have a question for him? <laughs> so so let's talk about the, the system, Mel, the system that they're not going to take part in, but we are. We're going to be forced to take part in this, so part, this so-called transparency because they're going to sell it to us for transparency reasons. They will not take part in this, the bankers. Yes? Exactly. This This is a huge huge part of it it's it's the need to preserve that fractional reserve banking that ability for this for the commercial banks to take in money from us the people and then turn out fake money to uh, juice the economy and their profits so they have a plan for it Um, it involves having two different types of central bank currencies a retail version they call it for all of us to use and a wholesale version for the banks to use and these two systems they'll they'll run parallel but just you know Mm -hmm. this is again kind of how this all gets dribbled out so um, one thing that is I think happening is that you know Jerome Powell has stated he doesn't want the dollar to be the first to do this. He wants to see it rolled out first. Mm-hmm. They started with Nigeria, the first really big, you know, developed economy. I think is going to be the, the European Central Bank, and oh. and so I look at a lot of European Central Bank information for what the Fed's probably going to do down the road, and. You saw the European Central Bank a few years ago start putting out papers about all the the social controls and the different benefits that this has. And as the pushback has has built, they started putting out, you know, how it's going to be private and anonymous and so on. So they want that control mechanism to be in place, but they also want to uh, preserve the central bank monopoly on uh, fractional reserve banking. And the way they do that is that Banks, when they do business between themselves Mm -hmm. or directly with the central bank, will use a wholesale CBDC, and then there'll be a whole different system set up for individuals like you and me to pay our electric bill and and, and do that. And control it. It, They can control it, and because there's that gatekeeper, Mm -hmm. everything has to go through the central banks, just like with paper money. Mm -hmm. It goes through through the banking system when we want to get our direct deposit. So everything's got to go through this wholesale window so that they can monitor what's going on and that they can have – the banks Mm -hmm. can have it on their balance sheet and loan out against it so it's not being held directly by you and me. Okay, we do have a caller on hold, but go ahead, Uncle Milty. If, if lenders had never on, switched from collateralized or secured loans to unsecured loans, could this have been possible? I think that the rollout of this could have been possible, but when you take a step back and, you know, we talked about one of the reasons was, you know, there was no longer their own money at risk. But another one of these reasons why they switched to uh, lower and lower loan standards is that this is another way, besides the central bank printing money, the other way that fraudulent money gets created is by banks doing loans. 
And the only way this economy stays propped up and looks like GDP is growing is by funneling more and more money into the system. And so I think what would have happened if they would have kept stringent loan standards is we we'd have you know the reality would set in which is not economic growth of three or four percent a year but economic declines in gdp of three or four percent a year which matches to what's actually happened to people's living standards wow mm. right on yeah. okay uh caller go right ahead you're on with mel madison okay i've been studying this have you heard of what's called unidroit unidroit it's French for law, Unidua. United Nations International uh, I, Law. I'm sorry. Yeah, go I'm ahead, sorry. Call. That's not something I'm familiar with. But if you'd like to briefly explain yeah, it, that'd if, be great. If you look this up, uh, they had a meeting in Tunisia and uh, Geneva uh, in 2003 about these uh, international tokens. They're called. They were calling them GDPCs for Global Digit Product Coins. Hmm. And they were debating about this. There's there's several hundred pages of these debates where they went on on what to call it, like the the BIT okay. stands for mm-hmm. Banking and in, with International Tokens because hmm. they were going to call them a token just like you go to a casino. Interesting. Okay. So this mm-hmm. is an international coup. Mm-hmm. Yes. Thank you. No, to with the Federal Reserve. Right. The Federal Reserve should have been the fraudulent reserve. All right. Thank you for the call. Really appreciate that. Do you want to comment on any of that, Mel? Uh, no, but I, I, while he was talking, okay. I did a, a quick search on it. It sounds like another one. It's another one of these international organizations mm-hmm. that's just set up to further this. Right. You know, the Bank for International Central Settlements is the one for central banks. This one looks like it focuses on in- mm-hmm. internationalizing private contracts. And okay. and so it's something I'll look into. I appreciate that yeah. tip from the caller Here's of an, an organization. Here's another caller. Go right ahead, caller. Yeah, hi, Mel. I have a question that my first cousin, Six Removed, would probably be happy for me to ask of you. Uh, I'm talking about Andrew Jackson. As you know, he abolished the second Federal Reserve Bank, and it wasn't easy. He vetoed the renewing of it. He had to pull all money, federal money, through executive orders out of the bank. It was a real struggle, but he was kind of proud of what he did. Uh, but my question is, it's not, of course, not politically feasible to abolish the Federal Reserve today, but we still need to know how to do it So when the, and then make it feasible. Mm-hmm. And according to Ed Griffin, the author of Creature of Jekyll Island, if you haven't read that, I strongly recommend it. I'm pretty book. sure you have, haven't yeah. you, Mel? <laughs> You're a fan of Ed Griffin? Yes, yeah. yes. Big fan. <laughs> yeah. Go right ahead. Well, he, he talked about how it's, uh, we, it can be abolished in one afternoon because it was created by the Congress and the Congress can abolish it. But he said it, it has to be faded out, which is very logical because people are so dependent upon it that they don't have another currency. We need, of course, a co- uh, commodity-backed currencies like precious metals and others, mm-hmm. but there's just not enough out there to do it overnight. Right. So my question to you is how do you see it being abolished and faded out? Thank you. All right. Yeah, no Great Go question right yeah. and and an amazing ancestor. You're exactly right. <laughs> Andrew Andrew Jackson paid off the national debt 
and refused to renew the charter for the country's second bank, uh, second central bank called the, the Second Bank of the United States. You know, very creative names. Um, you know, this country's had three three central banks. The first one was really the brainchild of Alexander Hamilton. You know, Jefferson mm-hmm. was totally against it. The people were against it. It was a big, you know, scam back then. Uh, people selling shares. Congress, you know, ripped from the headlines of the day. Congressmen buying and selling shares in the first bank of the United States, trading on insider knowledge that they had from Washington. Um, and Jackson saw it as what it was. And he, he, he got rid of it. And when the third bank came in, uh, which we call the Federal Reserve System, which they camouflage by having this overarching open market committee and board of government governors that's all you know federally appointed. But then there's 12 regional banks under it. And those central, those regional banks, the Richmond Fed, the New York Fed, the San Francisco Fed, uh, the, the Dallas Fed, if you actually look at who owns those banks, it's commercial banks. This is a quote from the Federal Reserve of St. Louis website. While the Board of Governors is an independent government agency, the Federal Reserve banks, these are the 12 banks underneath, are set up like private corporations. Member banks, commercial banks, hold stock in the Federal Reserve banks and earn dividends. So when when you do that, that's like I said, you can look that up right on there. It, it, that's probably the most shocking thing about this is if you if you spend time and actually wade through the white papers mm-hmm. and the nonsense that these banks put out, they tell you everything in black and white what they're doing. You just have to get beyond the veil and you look at the member banks, so these member banks underneath, who owns them? You, you can go to any one of those banks' websites and see who's on the board. Oh, it's the CEO of Siemens. Oh, it's the CEO of IBM. So these are the people that control the banks. Um, right. it, it's not, you know, F- Jerome Powell, he's probably a nice guy. He probably <laughs> is clueless to the fact that, you know, he, he might know theoretically this is going on, but right. he's, he's in a sense of uh, a mass delusional denial of, you know, just not seeing it for what it is, unwilling to admit what's really happening and that he's, you know, a part of it and enabling it. And so I think these people, you know, these aren't, you know, personal um, threats or, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, disparagement of of individuals. Some of them very well are likely evil. Some of them are well-meaning, but very misguided. Um, Now, really quickly to the the question was, how does this all end? And, And there is no easy way to wrap this thing up in a bow and 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 usher it out the door like an unwanted house guest. Um, this is something that is so entrenched that this comes back to an earlier part of the conversation. It's got to kind of go out likely either through a death by a thousand cuts or through an apocalyptic apocalyptic mm-hmm. calamity right. that is so devastating that this Bretton Woods 2.0 comes in and, and breaks it apart. But there'd be a lot of pain associated with it either way. Wow. Okay. I have a lot of loaded questions for you coming into the next segment because I know people want to know how to deal with this and what they could do to safeguard themselves or what they could do now. Certainly there's something that we can do rather than just kind of watch the car crash happen. But you, you're, you're, you tend to kind of think that maybe towards this latter part of this decade that there'll be something that happens that's a pretty big deal, right? And that's with five seconds to go, but yes? <laughs> yes, that, that's yes. what it is. Okay. That's what it is. Okay, we'll come back. We'll talk about that. And obviously, what can we do? Is there anything you could do, really do? Be right back. Kate Daly Show, katedalyradio.com. More with Mel Madison and, of course, Uncle Milty. 
eat this. Oh, honey, it's great protein. Don't be picky. Eat your crickets. Many are following the lead of the United Nations to replace your meat diet with an insect diet. It's an all-out war on meat, farmers and ranchers. Don't let new green policies place controls on your life and overall freedoms. It's time to get us out of the UN. Go to JBS.org or call 800-JBS-USA-1. This is the Kate Daly Show. Kate Daly Show. Are you enjoying this? Mel Madison is our guest. M-A-T-T-I-S-O-N. MelMadison.com. Also the book Quaz. uh, And go get it. I mean, he's going to explain all these things that he's talking to us right now about in uh, major detail. And you need that major detail going in. Because I just had a conversation with my um, 21-year-old about future and money and job and what to do and how to position yourself right and all of these types of things, Mel, and it's going to be coming up a lot, especially with the youth. They're going to wonder what in the world they should do and how they should do it. Um, but welcome back. Make sure and text Birch Gold uh, 989898, best place to buy gold and silver. Uh, wonderful sponsor of my show. We do have a caller. Caller, go right ahead. You're on with Mel. Okay, Mike. Hi. Hi. Hey, Mel. Uh, just bought your book. You really awesome. know your stuff. Awesome. I love that. That's Appreciate great. it. Yeah. You got it. Um, you know, the question, um, so holding physical gold and silver, which I'm a big proponent of, won't the banks try and outlaw that and, and, and keep individuals from, from using that? Um, and also would there be a black market? Would, would that exist after or when they try to implement the, the CDC's, uh, excuse me, mm-hmm. central bank digital currencies. Mm-hmm. I'll hang up and let you answer. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Great question. Go no. ahead. Great question, and, and thank you for buying the book. Um, if people are wondering, you can just search like Quaz, Q-U-O-Z, Financial Thriller, and it'll be available Amazon, Barnes & Noble, bookshop.org, or go to an independent store, and they'll be able to order it for you. But, um, you know, to your question about gold and silver, so that is literally torn from the pages of the book book. Right, they, right. There, there's a corrupt politician, corrupt politician, a corrupt U.S. senator who's in cahoots with central bank chiefs from India, Russia and China. And um, gold and silver are at the core of what the game plan is for for replacement in the book. And um, it's a global CBDC backed by gold and silver. But first, um, you've got to confiscate the gold and silver. And uh, there's an act in the book called the SAGE Act that the government does, the, the Silver and, and Gold Exchange Act, where, you know, they're going to exchange out your gold and silver for CBDCs. And, and you know, this is ripped from the pages of history. This was Executive Order, I believe, 6102 um, that federal uh, Franklin D. Roosevelt signed um, when he did a minor version of this um, after the Depression, where there was a big blow up, a big collapse, uh, needed money. And he decided he was going to confiscate all the gold at the then current price of $20 an ounce and then turn around basically uh, metaphorically the next day and make it $35 an ounce and immediately inflate it and take the gold, the real money out of people's hands. And um, in, in Quaz, you know, the, the takeout price is, is to confiscate it um, 
and actually pay $25,000 an ounce. And people are going to turn it in because they're going to be amazed that they're getting that much. But the true value is closer to 100000 And that's not a number I just, you know, picked out of thin air. Um, and I'm not suggesting it by any means that gold's going to twenty-five or $100,000 an ounce, you know, anytime, probably in our lifetimes. But if gold were to really be at the same point, um, what it should be uh, historically, and and you know that could be a whole other show to talk about mm. the manipulation of the futures markets and how gold and silver prices are artificially uh, kept down. But uh, we could save that topic for another day. All right, Uncle Milty, we have about thirty seconds. Anybody that wants to look that up, it was called the Gold Reserve Act of nineteen thirty-four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And so, and the, the the Sage Act is my fictional act in the book, so I, I wasn't see. saying that was a real one. Yeah. But but the real the real one exactly. A lot of my book is modeled off of you know the History. tips or the tricks, the tricks of the trade that these people yeah. have been using for a long time. And just really quickly, these people because a lot of the times you know you hear people say these people, and I think one thing with what's going on here because everyone is so open about it in this community okay. um, of the deep economic state is you know who these people are we're going to come they, right back they, on that note these people we're going to come right back on that with mel madison stay with us stay with us of course you have to right now <laughs> Have you ever heard someone say, the system's broken? Sure you have. Well, it's not true. America's founders created a brilliant governing system that prevents us from having kings, queens, dictators, and even czars. We the people can replace every elected official in a span of six years if we so choose. Here at the John Birch Society, we believe the only way to liberty, prosperity, and national sovereignty is not only understand what's in our founding documents, but demand that every elected official adheres to them. The reason we have a ballooning, reckless, and corrupt government is because elected officials aren't following the Constitution. The John Birch Society is principled, coordinated, effective activism. We believe the Constitution is the solution. Join JBS and change America. Visit JBS.org or call 1-800-JBS-USA-1 to get involved. That's jbs.org. This is the Kate Daly Show. Look, it's live radio, okay? Cut me some slack here, okay? <laughs> so... 
Welcome back uh, to the show. And it's every day. My gosh. Uh, welcome back. We have a terrific guest, if you haven't noticed. Uh, terrific. And I have Uncle Milty here. We also have Mel Madison of Mel Mattison. I say that with T's. It's spelt with T's as in Tom. So M-E-L-M-A-T-T-I-S-O-N. MelMadison.com. And, of course, Mel's a ter- terrific guest because he knows his history. And in order to put out a book like this, like Quaz. You have to know your history because of the playbook, the patterns involved. Right, Mel? Yep. It, it, it's the only way to understand it. And it's it's really a great help for someone mm-hmm. who's writing a, a fictional thriller because the most crazy, diabolical ideas that you, you, imagine, you couldn't even imagine or you'd think, oh, no one would actually ever do that. You know, that's what actually has happened. And so they mm-hmm. give you a blueprint because it's – it's 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 the same game it's the same moves but it's like a different costume or a yeah. different name but it's really the same playbook that they go back to time and time again so we were talking on the break a little bit about what do you tell the youth you know the youth are trying to make a game plan for the future and we have a lot of um, people moving to homes to back in their home to work with a lot more um, a lot more capability of technology but I also see jobs disappearing we also see Klaus Schwab saying rental you'll own nothing but you'll be happy, which means rental everything. What would you tell people right now in how to prepare for this type of future coming? Because you can see mm-hmm. all the moves they're making. So that's not up for debate. Mm-hmm. They're making the move. So how, mm-hmm. what do you tell people? What, what do you say to do? Yeah. Yeah. And th- these companies um, and these people, um, and, you know, I like to give the, give the companies or the name, you know, you can look up Compass. Uh, I, I forget the full name of the company, but mm-hmm. it's Compass mm-hmm. is publicly traded. Uh, they're the largest home buyer in the country um, of individ- individual single family homes. And is that Black they're Rock? the ones. BlackRock? A division uh, well, of BlackRock? Not, this is different from BlackRock. Okay. This is, di- this is different from BlackRock. Um, they they I haven't uh, looked deeply at who their ties are behind them, but it wouldn't surprise me if BlackRock is in their funding stuff. Um, These are all incestuous relationships, as Mm -hmm. you know, where, Mm -hmm. you know, people share board of directors and, you know, financing comes from one source and comes from another. And they did some pretty big uh, they did some pretty big investing. If I'm going back to my notes in Vegas too, uh, the casinos and the hotel industry and stuff like that, too. Right. Compass, if I'm remembering right. Anyway, it's a it's I was just thinking about that that name. It's come up in my research, Mm -hmm. but go ahead. Mm -hmm. Um, So what do we do? Yeah. So, yeah, they went around, they bought all these homes with zero Mm -hmm. interest rate money. um, And now, you know, people can't afford them. And this is what's been happening, you know, since the 1950s, where, you know, they tell us that our living standard and GDP has gone up fourfold. And yet in 1950, one person with a high school diploma in the household could work eight hours a day and Mm -hmm. buy a home and buy a car and send their kids to school and not be afraid when they walk down the streets. But we're supposed to think our living standards keeps uh, skyrocketing. So what do you do? Um, You know, as I talked about earlier on the show, if, if, any of my theory is right, even if 10% of it is right, and there's not a, a complete catastrophic collapse, but there's some sort of systematic devaluation, which is already going on, which mm-hmm. was accelerated during COVID, 
and which I think is just a warm-up for a bigger uh, devaluation through inflation to come, then you have to have, and this is, this is how they force you to put money into the economy, you have to have your money in things that have an income stream or that have intrinsic value. So gold and silver, you know, precious mm -hmm. metals, commodities, real assets, land, these things have intrinsic value. And if they don't have intrinsic value, like a, a rental house or a property or commodities, then they have to have a revenue stream that will be able to make money in the new um, currency. And, and that's where I talked about, like Apple, you know, uh, is going to be selling their iPhones in the new currency. But before that happens, the stock market will be shaken up. And, and, and there would be a massive decline occurring. And you don't want to have your eggs in the stock market basket when that happens. Sure. So for younger people, and it's really hard, but I think you know, what they need to be doing is they need to be thinking about this and the earlier the better, putting a little bit away whenever they can into some of these asset classes. And they need to be very wary of debt and and be very um, skeptical of the no interest credit cards and the buy now pay later and these are all the scams that they use it's no coincidence that when you walk onto a co college campus on every billboard it's an application for a so credit true. card right. you know you, you go and fly on a plane they try to sell you a credit card i mean they want you in debt and 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 the biggest you know, thumbs up or or middle finger to the mm -hmm. to the banking establishment you can do is not let them get you in debt. And Amen. because once they got you, then then they got you. And right. and that's that's where they get you on the treadmill mm -hmm. and, and you're stuck in the corporate system working for them for the rest because of your of that life. One, there's that one government um, um, project they did. Milty has a question, but there's one government project that they did a year ago, I think it was October, where they said um, when this crash happens for about a year, everybody's relieved of any payments they have on anything and everyone's cheering going, I don't know anything. This is wonderful. I can just make my money and spend it. But then the year mark comes up and then they have to, they have to join into whatever mode of payment that the banks want them to mo to get into to get their stuff right to continue paying on their stuff but people are co-opting in because of the fact that they got a freebie year which was a big enticement to lure them into uh the cbdc so milty you had a question too I, not so much a question but i do want to comment that the big responsibility here to teach mm -hmm. these young people about the future and what's going to happen is the parents' responsibility. They mm -hmm. need to quit spoiling their children and providing all these wonderful things that they can't afford mm -hmm. and teach their children that a more frugal lifestyle is how they're going to prepare for Maybe this. Maybe get into rental, re renting just about anything or uh, housing or all of those types of things. Would you say mm -hmm. that's a great, great avenue to take for the future? Any one of those things. Yes. Yes, definitely. And And I think, you know, Uncle Milty, you're exactly right. You know, there's there's a responsibility on the individual that cannot be forgotten about. So even though I can sit here for the last hour and 40 minutes and talk about the evil cabals and what they're doing and the banking establishment, you know, at the end of the day, there's also individual responsibility that can't be forgotten, you yep. know, the free will that we have. And, you know, the people that are listening to this and are already thinking about this, they, they know it well and they, and they know that. But, but what happens to a lot of people is it's very hard because of the way that the system is so um, 
It's it's mm-hmm. diabolical. I mm-hmm. mean, the amount of advertising that gets thrown at people. The, it's the television commercials. It's the billboards. It's the you need to have the latest and greatest. It's this fostering of hyper consumerism that makes people believe they need all these things that they don't. And That's then true. they sacrifice to get it. And then they realize when they're sitting there working and doing things every day that they don't really want to do, that they've sold themselves and their souls into hawk for, you know, the latest uh, trinket that was being Mm -hmm. offered on TV. And it's just a diabolical system. And sometimes what happens is they prey on the young. And by the Mm -hmm. time people really figure this out, they're already hooked and sucked into it. And then we had the COVID dollars, the looting of the country when it went from billions to trillions, paying out really bribes to representation from local government on up to state governments to get them to do the bidding of these people that are making these plans, which makes it even worse because we think we still have this republic that we don't have. Uh, Milton, you know, almost, we have 30 seconds. Almost everyone knows someone that went into a large debt to buy a boat and then never get to use it because they're working to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, exactly. <laughs> They say the the, yeah. the best day of owning a boat is the day you buy it. And the second best the second best day is the day you sell. Yeah. Oh my gosh, so true. Uh, we're gonna come right back. Uh, we'll finish off the show today. Very rarely do I have a guest that I ask to stay on, but Mel just had to stay on with us because there was just too much to talk yep. about and too much to cover. I'm so grateful for his time today um, because he doesn't have to. But I think when we were talking about curiosity, curiosity is a really crucial factor in learning what's going on and what's coming. And he has that quality, and I'm grateful for it. Be right back with Mel Madison. Be right back. The John Birch Society has been working tirelessly since 1958 to preserve freedom, safeguard the Constitution, and restore our God-given rights. We continually educate voters and lead the freedom movement. Join us as we work against a tyrannical one-world government. United as one, we can defeat this conspiracy against a free America. JBS founder Robert Welch said, Education is our total strategy and truth our only weapon. Go to JBS.org and join us in restoring this great nation. This is the Kate Daly Show. Daly Show. I got Uncle Milty here. Great show, right? Yep. Got to listen. Lots of stuff's coming. How do you prepare for it? How do you prepare with your family? I'd say buy some food storage. You can still go to preparewithkate.com, which is a great resource. Uh, It hooks you into Patriot Supply. Preparewithkate.com helps the show. That's nice. But also gives you great deals on on food storage, too, because commodities, you might want to have some commodities under your belt. Um, And then also um, coming back to text Birchgold989898, text up my name, Kate, and you'll get some fantastic information and how to shore yourself up against all of this and they're very red pilled over there at birch gold and um when you text 98 98 98 you text my name kate you'll also get some free information that you can act on that won't cost you anything that helps you and also buy gold and silver from them um i have uncle milty here and um i also have mel madison who wrote the book quaz what does quaz stand for q u q o u z q u o z uh 
Yeah, QUOZ, Quaz, a financial thriller is the full title. It's very easy to find it online if you do the full title, a financial thriller after it. But it's it's a quantum Oz, and it, it goes back to what I talked about at the very beginning of the show. There's a space in the Bank for International Settlements where they've set up this quantum supercomputer mm. that I call Icarus that you know manipulates the world's markets. And mm-hmm. uh, it, the people that work there, they refer to the area as Quaz. Okay. I love it. And you also, we were talking about um, COVID being sort of the smaller run of what's about to happen in a bigger way. And I have screenshots of the CARES Act where they took the certain section out. And the certain section that they took out was uh, putting millions of dollars into ATM machine type things from the government and then handing everybody a card and saying, your money is on this card and you can go redeem it at your local post office because those are everywhere. And then they took it out right before it passed. What is your take on that and also that dry run of of COVID, the looting that Mm -hmm. happened? Yeah, I think, COVID in a lot of ways in a two or three year span was a microcosm. It was a forerunner, a foreshadowing of where things are heading, but on a large, much larger scale. So you had the massive money printing and the inflation. You had the government fomenting uh, racial divides and social unrest and bringing the people out into the streets and promoting that sort of looting and rioting and destruction of the, the rule of law. And you you look at it and you say, you know, what could what could that be a, a pre runner for? And it's it's a way to get in the social changes that they envision are going to bring us into this brave new world. So the credit card, it's a similar thing to universal uh basic income is another big thing they talk about that they'd be able to deliver to people mm-hmm. with central bank digital currencies. And they, they tell you right right out in front of you who why they want to do it, how they want to do it. I have a really brief quote here from the Tony Blair Institute for Global Change. <laughs> and, um, you know, they, this is this is what they tell you if you actually take the time to go through these boring white papers. You know, universal basic income, a social mm-hmm. economic program where all citizens regularly receive monetary transfer from the government without discrimination. And they say that large scale implementation of UBI, universal basic income, however, may require mm-hmm. fur- further innovations on both the technological and economic fronts. This paper lays out a proposal for leveraging Web3 technologies, digital currencies, digital transaction networks such as the blockchain and other programmable ledgers. So programmable is the keyword for social controls embedded into the currency as the infrastructure for scalable and efficient UBI implementation, end quote. So they want to put in the central bank digital currency. They want to provide people their uh, slave, you know, living wages that mm-hmm. get, the, get the dependency on the government with their UBI. And then they want to manipulate and control the behaviors through the, the social controls and programmability of the currency. The, the spending, and they'll do it all in the name of climate change gobbledygook. Right. So you're uh-huh. you're doing yes. something for the country and we hold your dollars. I do have a caller on hold. Yeah. Milty. Sort of like they've been doing since right. Lyndon Johnson was president. <laughs> sort of like. <laughs> here's a here's a caller. Go right ahead. Caller. Make it quick. Yeah, Mel. So I have a question. I, I read the Jekyll from the creature from Jekyll Island. I understand all that. One thing I don't understand. So we owe money 
to other places besides the Federal Reserve, but don't ultimately we owe that money to the Federal Reserve and the interest uh, appertaining to that? Can you explain that to me? Thank you. Mm-hmm. Go right ahead. Yeah, so mm-hmm. the, the mechanics, when, when foreign governments buy our debt and they're big holders, but they're not as big as people think. People talk about, oh, China's going to sell their uh, U.S. debt. China only owns about $800 billion in debt. Um, it, they're not even the biggest foreign holder. The biggest foreign holder is Japan, and they own less than 10% of what the Federal Reserve owns. So um, when a, when, when, who buys actually treasury debt, it's the federal reserve and the bulk of the rest of it is either other central banks or it's the commercial banks. So this goes back to the purpose of a central bank is to enrich commercial banks, um, financial elites in cahoots with the government. So when the government pays out interest on the debt, our interest expenses, taxpayers, one quarter of that is going to the federal reserve that owns eight trillion of it. But the Federal Reserve on the macro level, not the regional banks, on the macro level, they get that interest and every year they pay it right back to the Treasury. So one quarter of our debt, we're not paying interest on it. We're, we're paying the interest to the Federal Reserve, but they're paying it right back to the Treasury. Um, the rest of it is going to the banks. And what the banks do is they get that, uh, that money, they hold the, the bonds, and then because that's the the gold standard U.S. Treasury notes, then they lend out against that. So the money they hold as collateral, they take the money from you and me, they give it to the government, they buy treasuries, and then they lend out fake money to make the uh, wheel go around in the economy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for that. Isn't he fantastic? Yep. Milty? Extremely. Any last question from you on what we can do? No, no. Mel, anything else that you'd like to add to today's great conversation about... All right. I don't know where that came from, but okay. Um, We just had some audio come through and I'm not quite sure why. Um, Lots of problems always arise when we have great guests, but, um, and I'm part of the blame on today's. Uh, So tell me what you'd like to leave the audience with in this minute remaining. Uh, I would just say, you know, the individual still has some authority and some power. And if there was one uplifting story and what I talked about tonight, it was that, you know, the Nigerian central banker wound up in handcuffs. And so we have to just, I think, keep educated, um, you know, take a look at some of these white papers if you have the time, you know, but if you don't and you want to entertaining story. Mm-hmm. I'll do one little plug. I've okay. tried not to plug my book. I've okay. tried to talk about what's important, but right. you know, Quaz is a great way to learn about it and it gives you a good story and it also feeds these themes into it and it's educational. And I think it's also kind of an exciting, uh, thriller. So Absolutely. if you like thrillers, give it a try. Q U O Z. Like uh, just remember Oz is the back end of that. Quaz. And, Go ahead. And I will now hear your voice as I read it. I know, right? That's so true. That is so true. Uh, he's going to Join me on uh, on Infowars tomorrow too, and uh, I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you, Mel. Really appreciate you and all of your curiosity and your work on understanding history to be able to write a book like that. So thank you for that. Appreciate thank, it. Thank you. You bet. MelMattison.com, MelMattison.com, two T's, and uh, get the book for sure. And of course, I wish phone lines weren't weren't lighting up because there's a million <laughs> more questions we all have, but um, I'll have you back again very, very soon. Terrific guest. And of course, be faithful, be fearless, and see you here tomorrow with Melissa and Susan. Thanks, Uncle Milton. 